This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson Weber, and my guests are Sylvia Hernandez de Stasi and David Catlin. David directed and Sylvia choreographed the movement and circus for Looking Glass's production of The Little Prince, which is currently showing at their space downtown and has just been extended to March 16th. Um, and they were both involved with an earlier production of the show, which was done at Northwestern. David, are you um, a faculty there, or how did that come about? Yes, I'm on the faculty. I teach acting there in the theater department. And so let's just talk about that earlier production, because I'm interested then to understand how it might have evolved from the first production to the second. So start with... You know, as a faculty member, how do you get, do you get to decide what you're doing? Did someone else say you were doing it? Why did you pick it? Well, I was, I was, had been interested in it. I, th- I think it's, I love the story of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just this beautiful story that, that, um, like a lot of the plays that I think we're drawn to ha- operates on a couple different levels. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of most surfacey level that is, um, just kind of a beautiful story with interesting characters that are funny and filled with great philosophy. But then there's also, if you dig a little bit deeper, the the ideas that are present in that story really just resonated a lot with me. Um, you know, we got to work on Looking Glass Alice together, and I and I and I love stories that that we think of as being kid stories, but in a way are as much for, for adults right. as they are for kids. Right. Well, how did the script come to you? I was interested in, in um, adapting it myself mm-hmm. uh, because that's what we've done a lot of. Um, but uh, Schular and Cummins had written this really lovely version of it. And so we, we used their adaptation but in reading that, it, it confirmed that I, that I really wanted to work on it. And I took it to, um, the f- folks at Northwestern, my colleagues and I, and I, who determine what the season is. And I said, I'm really interested in working on this. I think they thought that given the, the books, you know, it's translated into just about every language there is. And, I think that they thought that that would be a, a good addition to their season. Why did you take it to Northwestern first instead of Looking Glass first? Well, one of the things that uh, I, I another Looking Glass colleague, Mary Zimmerman, had had great success um, kind of developing shows at Northwestern with students and then bringing it to, to Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity, you know, part of Northwestern's mission as a, university is research and and that we that's an easy thing to think about when you think about their the what the scientists that work there right, right. but in theater it's also an, a great opportunity for us to to develop shows they have an outstanding group of um mfa designers as well as directors mm. um with great faculty who's mentoring them and so um it was an opportunity to work with some some soon to be emerging collaborate collaborator right. uh, designers right. um 
Sylvia likes it because it's in Evanston, and right. so it was going to be easy for her to easier for her to get to rehearsals, and and easier for them to to come here to the actors' gym. Do you have a relationship with Northwestern, Sylvia? Uh, we do. We actually offer um, the sophomore class. Every sophomore theater major at Northwestern comes through our door. And the hour in that instance is the actor's gymnasium. I don't think I said that at the Um, top. Yeah, they come to the actor's gym, and we are there. They do a a segment of movement in circus. Uh So I get to see every sophomore theater. Now I think I've seen every acting acting major at Northwestern because we've been doing it for the last... I think six years. Right, right. So it's a good opportunity for me to see, you know, who's interested in this kind of work and mm-hmm. who has a, you know, a desire to build on the, sk- the skills that we train here, the basic, you know, developing the core strength and stuff like that that you need to move on to the next level of this kind of work. Right. So it's fun to work with young, exciting, you know, kids that are excited to do new stuff. Yeah. And they'll even, they'll even, those kids, those students who come there the sophomore year, many of them will return to take classes there. They will, um, organize into seminars where they'll get Sylvia to come in and teach them circus on Fridays and really build significant skills that I, that we're, we're working on a production of Moby Dick that's going to go up there in, um, in April. And, Many of the students that we've drawn from uh, were in that sophomore movement sequence, have continued to work at the gym, um, the actor's gym, right. and build really um, wonderful skills. It becomes a little bit of a feeder program for this kind of work in Chicago. Yeah. I imagine yeah. not every city maybe has a uh, pool of people who have been trained in yeah. this. Yeah. It's, it's, a great, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to, you know, get your feet wet and figure it out, you know, what your what your body is capable of and, you know, how much you want to push it to, that, you know, kind of decides how far you will go with. I mean, it's it's risky, you know. I, I know that I am not a theater person. I mean, I am now, but I didn't grow up in the theater, but my husband is a graduate of Northwestern and also an ensemble member of Looking Glass. And he always says, you know, they as a in a theater class they push you emotionally and they push you to take chances and they, you know, test your, you know, like how far you'll go emotionally with things. And this is the other side of that right. coin. They push physically. you as far physically as we can, but there is an emotional component to it because there's a fear level that you have to overcome. Right. And there's just a lot of people that are smart, you know, put way too much, you know thought into the what they can't do like log- logistically I cannot do this so I'm not going to do this and there's a barrier you have to get mm-hmm. over there to you know climb up to uh, you know a rope that's 25 feet in the air and right. not you know totally panic um, but I, it's really lovely to watch them go up there panic come down and resolve to go up again uh-huh. and not panic and not panic up more and more and get up there and Stop shaking, and all of a sudden they can move up there. They have some yeah, freedom. It's, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, well, that that confidence and self esteem is tr- tremendous. And and you know, I th- I I do think that those students who come in with those fears and then conquer them go even f- go even further in their acting because they realize 
that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to fail the first time or the second time or the third time. And, and the ability to keep pushing and not to give up. I mean, it's an incredibly valuable lesson. I had a, a student of mine when we first opened, which he was interviewed by Stage Bill, and I went in and I was reading the program and I was like, whoa. And he had said, I learned to do a standing back tuck at the actor's gym. And I may never, ever do a standing back tuck on a stage, but every time I walk into an audition, I know I can do a standing back tuck. <laughs> and then I go in and I audition with that knowledge. And even though this has nothing to do with anything, right. I know I have a little step up over the person sitting next to me who can't. maybe can't. <laughs> right. You know, so right. That was really like, for me, it was like, oh, that's like a whole different level of what, you know, what we do here. Are there other conservatories, or actually Northwestern isn't a conservatory program, but are there other major acting programs, as far as you know, that have a circus arts component, or is it I, unique? Uh, I think there are. Um, uh, DePaul University sends their MFAs to me for six for a six-week program. Mm -hmm. um, they're not all actors, but they are directors, so they can see, oh, I could ask my They can use that, right. That, you know? right. Um, I know that ISU has a circus program. I know that Florida State has a circus program. Like there's some. So there probably would. Yeah, there are other places. Yeah, yeah. there are. Yeah, it's becoming quite popular. But those ISU and Florida State are the oldest. Uh -huh. You know, co collaboration with the university. I mean, it, it has to lead to a. I mean, the um, the intersection between circus and theater creates a very distinctive style, which is the looking glass style. And and I think of it as being pretty unusual and so I just wondered if there are other places where yeah. that cross-fertilization is happening. Those universities um, not necessarily theater programs. They mm -hmm. have a circus. They're right. actually very separate. Right. There's a circus and then there's the theater and they don't... Someone's going to put it together. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> when we were at on 16th Street with Looking Glass in our rehearsal space, we auditioned people for a show and some people came in and said we we're with the theater program and then some people mm -hmm. ISU and some people mm -hmm. said we're with the circus program and they didn't know each other. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, wow. Yeah. So they are going to get exposed to it and go, oh I should have done this circus program. Right. Well it was funny, David, when you were talking about the adaptation because I had actually assumed that you had done that the company had done the adaptation because it's so perfectly suited for the looking glass style. And then I was trying to figure out why. You know, what is it what makes a, a script particularly suitable for this kind of treatment? I, I think if there's if there's room in it for for us to see some kind of you know, often the movement sequences are getting at some some metaphor. Yeah. Um some element, some theme that's important. Um uh it, for Looking Glass Alice, there's a lot of sense of falling. That's uh, Humpty Dumpty falls. Alice falls down a rabbit hole, and so once we alight on that theme, then we get it helps us get ideas and brainstorm the mm -hmm. kind of um, uh, circus elements that actually are adding to the story and not just uh, a, a gratuitous Add moment where we're right. pausing and doing something right, right. fun in circus. And, and not that there's there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. I, I just I am just a big fan when. When those, um, when, when the, when the story and, and the circus become, uh, mutually beneficial, a lot of theater 
we we perceive and receive with a part of our brains when we're listening. uh, A a portion of a certain part of our brain kicks on to hear words. When we experience a, 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 a dance concert, we experience that in a more visceral, kinesthetic way. So I, I hope that um, by incorporating circus and movement, we're, we're giving audience members an experience that is that is that involves their bodies as well um when the little prince is floating through space that they feel that experience too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so this is a long way of getting to your question but but if a if a story has room that we can use um circus to create the sensation of moving through space i hope that the experience we make is ideally working seeking to engage the entire audience member, the, the whole, the mm-hmm. whole audience member. Mm-hmm. And there's certain scripts that ha- just have some room for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this specific circus in, in The Little Prince. And, um, uh, it seems to me maybe consistent with what David said that much of the circus is when he's telling his story, when it's memory, it's not what's actually happening in the desert, but it's his journey through the, uh, through the cosmos. And, um, to me, some of those moments are just the loveliest of the show. The, particularly actually the travel sequences, he goes from one little planet to another little planet. And each time that he's traveling, you handle it a different way. Um, how do you, how do you go about, I mean, just talk about your process when you were developing any piece of that sequence of the of the play? Um, well, I rely a lot on the cast members. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask, we do some workshops, we usually do workshops before we start an actual rehearsal process. Um, so we, the actors will get, you know, very used to moving together. Um, there's, everybody has a different style of moving. Um, and we can see, like, as far as, you know, on the floor, like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. Can we try that? And mm. your movement over here look kind of interesting. And we try to combine everybody's, you know, in- individuality into that movement. It's stuff that's on the ground. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, Catelyn has a lot of great exercises that, you know, he'll throw at people and just improvising through movement. And then we just pick out, oh, that's, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so they they do a big smorgasbord for you and you mm-hmm. pick and choose Pretty the things yeah. that you like. Yeah. And then it's all, you know, it's if there's, you know, some lifts or stuff, we also um, are working with the capabilities of the cast. Like we right. build some skills and we're always building on the skills. But if, you know, I want one thing and it doesn't quite work, then we kind of have to tweak it to work for the story. Um, a lot of times I'll see something and Catelyn will go, I don't see it, mm-hmm. so change it, and then we'll like morph it just like a little bit. And he's like, "Okay, now I see it." It's so it's always it's always really a fun you know way to work because we can always see something different. How much did the when you did it with the students originally? Presumably, you had performers who were less advanced in their circus skills. Is that true? Yes, I mean they. We did a lot of workshops. Mm-hmm. We had one young man who was very athletic, gymnastically inclined, and he did an aerial. Uh, he was the conceited man, and mm-hmm. which all, all all the apparatus at Northwestern was different from the ones we did. Yeah, at uh, Looking Glass, 
And we did work a lot with a group of students. It was really fun because we had a lot of them. That's the glory of working at Northwest. Right. You can have a how big was the cast? Yeah. How big was the cast? Uh, I think it was 12 compared to eight. Uh-huh. So eight. half so, again. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, then we can put people into the spots that suits them best. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And they develop stuff and we teach them some stuff. And again, it's, it's, I think we really do respond to the, to the, to the people that are in the room, that, 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 that particular production really emerges from the people that are in the room. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the Northwestern production, we had several ladies, young, young, uh, ladies who were quite good at ballet, yeah. had some serious ballet training. Mm-hmm. And so, there were a lot of PK turns and chenets, um, incorporated into those traveling sequences that mm-hmm. became very important and elegant. And we, we, we also like to include, you know, if we know it's happening in space, we take a look around at the gym and say, Oh, there's lots of balls. Those look like planets. Let's, yeah, yeah. In, let's get objects in the room for them to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, there were hula hoops and we realized that that would feel like the rings of Saturn. Saturn. Right, so, right, yeah. and part of our workshop period will say there might be structured activities or we might just give them time and say, mess or around, play yeah. with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Play, play, play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you're working or you're sitting there talking and, and everybody's milling around the room and somebody's doing, someone's in the back corner and we're like, Ooh. what? what yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. And then we'll pick that out and that'll be the thing that goes from the Northwestern production into the actor, uh, to the Looking Glass production. One, my, actually my very favorite sequence of the whole piece, which I can't really explain why I found it so moving, was the, I don't remember what he's called in the book, but the, the drunk. The, mm-hmm. the tippler is that maybe how they I, I think depending it? on what translation you yeah, read, different it, tippler or, or, um, drunkard. Yeah. And, uh, it looked from, I was looking back at images from the Northwestern show, and it looks like you did it fairly similarly. I don't know, but it wasn't Lauren. We did. The girl that played that part at Northwestern uh. actually was a student of a circus camp where uh. she grew up. She was really good at the globe. She was actually maybe the best globe walker I've ever come into And just to, with. to describe it for a listener who hasn't seen the show, it's just a big ball that she's walking on. That's her planet. Um, and, and she just kind of, walks through and does this mime sequence with the little prince giving her bottle to the audience audience member member and then taking it back. This is kind of a weird question, but can you explain to me why that sequence was so moving to me? (laughs) (laughs) That is an interesting question. Um, Why does it work so well? I have a couple theories. I I would like to hear you. Okay. Well, (laughs) well, I think one of them is that there's, uh, it starts, with what one, I think Lauren, who's, is who's, wonderful. Play, is right. wonderful. Right. She has a great open soul that, mm-hmm. that she's very generous and vulnerable with. Right. There's something about taking away language that really gets us to shut down that part of our brain mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are really experiencing it on a, in a, in a, in a different because way. I think our mind. brain yeah. shuts down a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are, um, uh, bubbles that are blown that are supposed to, I, the part of the idea is that was that it would feel like you were inside a champagne glass. That's exactly that the whole what I thought. Theater of. would yes. feel that way. Yeah. And so it's a little effervescent. And mm-hmm. that, I think bubbles, which felt planetary or space, and it looks mm-hmm. like a field of space, yeah. 
we, I think we have a, we have a connection to that. It, it mm-hmm. activates some child part yes, of ourself yeah, right. that we can enjoy it. Um, there's something very light about her being on that ball, which is a, actually a lot harder than it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot harder than it looks. And, um, and uh, her coat. Her wonderful coat. Yeah, I the, loved the costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sally DeLembo did this really just she, Was she one work. of the MFA students? Yes. And then you, yeah. it looked like you brought a lot of the, the design The whole design elements. team. Yeah. We had three MFA students, Will Kirkham, Courtney O'Neill, and Sally DeLembo. And then Sylvia and um, Rick Sims did, did the sound. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is happening there um, that we often don't, and it's this way with movies too, I think the sound is really quite good there. Mm-hmm. We have Jan Barford, and this is another example of how things are different and how they're based on the people that are in the room making right, it. Right. Jan, the second day of rehearsal said, Oh, you know, I, p- I play the cello uh-huh. or I ha- and I have a cello. And I thought, I mean, all it takes is, you know, putting on some yo-yo ma. I think the cello resonates uh-huh, in our bodies uh-huh. in a different way than uh, to me any other instrument yeah it's just the resonant mm-hmm. sound mm-hmm. i just think it penetrates mm-hmm. into the marrow of our bones a little bit in a way that other instruments don't and 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 it it's you know there's a there's a sad sad loneliness in that character right right that is really potent and yeah. true and and familiar yeah. To us, yeah. Did you have something to add to that? Oh, I was just going to say how uh, Lauren, when Lauren was working on that, she always, she always could walk the Rolling Globe, but she had to actually really practice because mm-hmm. what she's doing with the just the control of going back and forth on that globe is is really hard. It's really easy to go down on that thing. Yeah. Um, but she came to me and she said, "I, I, you know, I need notes." need notes because I don't know what to do, what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm not a clown. And I said, you're, what you are doing is simply perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not over the top. It's enough to read. And she just found, she found the, you know, the depth of that character, you know, and she didn't even, she didn't know that she had, that she had it, but it was, it's just, I think so sincere and sad. Let's talk very quickly because we're running out of time about moving the show from one space to another. And I assume there are a lot of differences, particularly perhaps in the circus. Um, you, you have the same set or it looked like the same stage piece. That's wonderful. Um, it's both dunes and a paper or mm-hmm. it can be seen several ways. But so what did the move to the downtown space mean for you as you were resetting it? Um, well, when Looking Glass was first being built, they built it. I think, I think, specifically for me. They built it in a way that could always be rigged uh, for aerial work mm-hmm. um, more easily than any other theater I've ever worked in. And what does that take? What makes it it's, suitable? Uh, it's their catwalks. are mm-hmm. um, The ceiling is high enough. Their catwalks are lower than the actual ceiling. At Northwestern, they have the fly system, which is really hard for me because mm-hmm. it's like 80 feet so anytime you do rigging with the ceiling that's 80 feet it's always like very daunting because um, it's it seems like it would be too yeah, loose or there's just a yeah, lot too much swing so much space and mm-hmm. it just takes um just takes 
a whole lot of creativeness. Um, mm-hmm. so the rigging that we used was totally different. We switched every single apparatus around. Mm-hmm. And why did you just? You wanted to, because you could. There were things you had wanted to do that you couldn't do at Northwestern, basically. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there was things that we couldn't do at Northwestern. We had more. We had, we used a lot of stuff that we had at the gym at Mm -hmm. Northwestern, and we built a lot of new stuff based on the design and you know just Mm -hmm. the desire to do different work, like the uh, the businessman um, on the Saturn. Uh, apparatus was uh, really fun and uh-huh. just something that we really had a good time working with. So when they brought it in, I was like, oh, so happy. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that it feels like this protective cage that he's built for himself, that mm-hmm. he's, he's inside that he's, yeah, that he's yeah. in something yeah. mm-hmm. like that's, that's meant to, in his own way, protect his, him and his, his accumulated wealth. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which was really different than Northwestern, Northwestern because that conceded the businessman was on a, platform and, and it was a really cool set piece but it wasn't mm-hmm. you know, wasn't apparatus. yeah and we switched the conceited man who was on the lira which was more like the the saturn businessman apparatus we switched those two to just to have them be different <laughs> <laughs> right and uh-huh i mean i think sometimes when you take a show for me personally when you take a show from one spot put it in it can be a little bit not as exciting as uh-huh. switching things up. I think it gives it a new It has to be new. It has to be made new. Yeah. And do you imagine the apparatus and they build it and then you figure out what you can do with it? Or do you have images of what you want them to be able to do and they design the apparatus around those ideas? Both. Can you like talk about the Saturn for the for the businessman? What what did you say when you said, I want that? I you know, I don't I was thinking when I was sitting here earlier, a lot of the times Catlin will say, we can, how about something like this? And I'll say, oh, well, how about we throw another ring on it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, are you kinda, sketching? Are you sitting there with, I don't sketch. Yeah. Uh-huh. You I just, just describe throw ideas at him. Mm-hmm. And if he walks out with them, you know, I'm like, yes. And if mm-hmm. he doesn't, then I, I come in on the other side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about this? And it's the same idea that I, you know, <laughs> yes. Sometimes Have I you push, ever noticed that? Day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she sometimes, really wants this. Sometimes I push the ideas and sometimes I'm like, okay, well, then, you know, I'll we just, can do something I'll, else. I'll play right. with what, you know, right. what I get. And I'm always really, it's really fun to play with what you get mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I have a, you know, a great, like, I'm like, I'm stuck on this, stuck on this, um, silk for the rose. I'm stuck on wanting her to fly up in this, you know, yeah. in the fabric with the feet, you know, tied like to Like she's fabric. growing out of the ground. Yeah. yeah. I was just, and, you know, and I'm not really sure, but I thought I remembered Catelyn saying, well, why don't, and I'm like, Gosh, Really, really want it. I'm gonna let him, him come back and say, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, "How about this?" We did um, when we did Icarus together. We had some issues coming up with our final move, our final sequence where uh, Icarus falls from the sky. Uh-huh. Every show, we came in with a different ending, <laughs> and it was like, "We're gonna try this." And I said, "Oh, please, just try this." And then the next day, we'd be like, "Oh, we're gonna try this." I'm like, "Okay, we'll try that." Like, oh, I don't really like that. How about we try this? So, in every and did you win? I did. Okay. Well, and, and, <laughs> and thankfully, we had Lindsay Whiting, who is unbelievably brave and yes. capable, who yes. who Would every day had a whole one. new different thing right. that she was trying and, yeah. and 
it was she it's really made each of them work in a way. Actor but. that you know, yes, and actor is yeah. huge. Like if I mean, I have worked with people that are like, I'm not doing this, and right. I'm like, okay, well then, how about this? Right. You know, and then I have to work with, like I said, the within capabilities. their capabilities. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is really fun to have a Lindsay Whiting or a Lauren Hurt who are like, yes, just go, yeah, yes. go for it. Right. And this hurts, but I'll do it anyway. Right. We right. like to say, how bad does it hurt? Does mm-hmm. it hurt so much that you can't make it three eight week runs? <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> that's oh, the standard. Oh, that's great! The standard. <laughs> it's a reason why only some people do this kind exactly, of work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if everyone did it, then why why would we bother? You know, if everybody was doing the same. You know, we're capable. It wouldn't be as interesting. And it and it yeah. And and it's right for certain kinds of texts and yeah. wouldn't be right for others. But for this one, I, I would say it's a, a beautiful marriage of a text and a style. And um, so luckily it's been extended and more people can see it. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks. Thank you.